Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. My message today, very simply, it's titled, Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Something we all probably thought about in our life. Why was it Jesus, and why is he the one? Can't help but think of the song, my sin was great, but his love is greater. One reason why Jesus. Think about all of our imperfections, all the things that we deal with. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes, and we all go through difficult times. We all needed a savior. Why wasn't it Buddha? Why wasn't it Muhammad? Why wasn't it winning the lottery, or why wasn't it? Because all these things, but there's only one that can come and give his life, can make us clean and whole, and can cleanse our sins, and that one is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. I have this truck up here for a reason this morning, and this isn't the specific Tonka truck that I'm going to tell you about from 50 years ago, about 50 years ago, pretty close. This time of year, Christmas, we were celebrating Christmas around our Christmas tree. We lived right over here on 16th Avenue in Lacey. Used to be called Virginia Avenue back then. 4806 16th Avenue. When you're a kid, and I was probably seven-ish years old, or eight, somewhere in there, you don't really realize everything that maybe your family is going through, or maybe the fact that you don't know that your parents are doing everything they can to provide whatever they can for you to, to help you in the process of growing up and, in, and having a, a halfway decent life. But as a kid, I just remember, I thought we had everything. I didn't see or hear the conversations, you know, my parents' back room of seeking and praying and calling on God. I'm sure at times in the night, Lord, you need to provide. But God always answered those prayers and he always provided so I'll never forget this one Christmas, and my brother and I, Dave and I, got Tonka. I remember this Tonka dump truck. Do those still exist somewhere? Yeah. They do? Uh, you know what? The one I'm going to talk about specifically, I should have asked, and we probably could have had here. It wasn't that one, but that was wrapped nicely under the tree. I think there could have been another uh, a road grader or something like that. But then after we unwrapped presents... I remember my dad coming out down the hall and coming out in the living room, and he's, he's got a Tonka cement mixer truck, a red truck with a white cement mixer on the back. And he brought that out to us. It wasn't wrapped, didn't have a box, it didn't look fancy, didn't, it wasn't all nice and brand new, but it was one that probably at the store that had a defect or something, there was something wrong with it, something maybe broken on this, but we didn't care. This was awesome. That cement truck got treated just the same as if it was spotless, there was nothing wrong with it, it got the attention. We didn't care there was a blemish or whatever on that truck, on that cement mixer. It was, could have been in the, in the family of Tonkas, it could have been the outcast, it could have been the one that, you know, nobody wanted to, to have that, oh, that, you know, what can that do? It's, it's broken or whatever. This one here happens to be one that I'm sure we got for our son 20 years ago or so. 
We still have it in the house. Happened to have pulled it down recently, and our grandkids love it. Our grandson just was driving this thing all over our house, and I noticed some of the trim on my trim around the baseboard got chipped. <laughs> I just very calmly went and got some wood glue and glued it back on. See, previous days of my life, I would have probably got a little more upset, but you know what? This is part of life. Think about that. So think about the Tonka truck, the Tonka cement truck. We are that imperfect, blemished, flawed Tonka cement truck. And God saw to it to bring that out and give that the attention. He drew us out and said, this is what I want. I want the one who's flawed. I want the one that's imperfect. I'm going to pour myself into this and make it as if it is, has no flaws or no imperfections. And he does that with us. He takes us and we see the, our falls, faults and flaws, but he looks right past us. I see what really is the value. I see the heart of that. I see what that can become. I, I see something that can be cherished and loved. Jesus views us without blemish, without spot, without sin. He views us that way. We're the ones that kind of dump everything on ourselves and create the problems for ourselves. It's like, oh man, I just, I've got this problem, I got that. And he comes and he said, I've selected you. I've called you out. I have picked you to be part of my Tonka collection. In fact, I'm going to put you on the top shelf here because I see the value in you is much greater than whatever this over here, this, this seems to be cool and nice, but he just takes us and he puts us up on his top shelf and he just probably sits there and I just love that Tonka. <laughs> He was sent to preach, to release captives, to offer sight to the blind and freedom to the oppressed. He was specifically sent for you and I to take care of some stuff. He came down and he selected, that's the cement mixer, that's Steve, that's Bob, that's Joe, that's Bill, that's Sherry, that's Diane, that's, that's my selection. And Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man came to seek and save those whose cement mixer doesn't quite turn right. He was seeking out the ones who were broken, seeking the ones who were flawed, the ones who were hurting, those who were blemished. He came to seek us out. And guess what? If you're sitting here today, he found you. You're not here by accident today. You're here because he drew you here. He called you here. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Now, let me say this in a little different way. I want to add the verse previous to that to give it context. And I want to read this in the Message Bible, verse 31 and 32 of Luke chapter 5. And this isn't on the screen. But listen to this. Levi gave a large dinner at his home for Jesus. Everybody was there, taxmen and other disreputable characters as guests at the dinner. The broken down Tonka trucks were all there. The Pharisees and their religion scholars came to his disciples, and guess what? They were greatly offended. <laughs> they came to Jesus' disciples, and, and they said, what is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? Bad Jesus. What's he hanging out with them for? He's supposed to be with us, the good guys, the polished, shiny guys that do everything right. Why is he hanging out with them? Jesus heard about it. He overheard this, and he spoke up, and he said, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here, he said, inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life 
changed inside and out. He didn't come for those who are already polished and nice. He came for the ones that needed a savior. He called out the cement truck. I want to go hang out with you. By the way, do you have any other broken down things out there that I can hang out with? Because I can make a difference. I can turn you into something that will become very fun to play with and to hang out with. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this is the Lord had sent a message to King Ahaz, and he threw, sent it through Isaiah. And he said, go, go ask the king to ask for a sign. To ask me for a sign of, of what I'm going to do, what, this coming Messiah. Just have him ask me for a sign, that the Savior is coming. The king refused. He's like, I wouldn't want to test God like that. I'm not going to exhaust his patience and deal with all. You know, he just had this kind of negative thing about this whole thing. And Isaiah's like, come on, dude. So he's like, okay. So this verse, Isaiah 7, 14 says, all right, then, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. There's a sign that was coming, all the signs we needed. Things were prophesied down through the years of this coming king, this coming Messiah, this coming savior, this one who was going to rescue us, to redeem us, to make us part of his Tonka collection, <laughs> to wipe away all of our flaws, all of those imperfections, and bring all of men and say, come on, <laughs> this is my favorite collection. I imagine, if you could imagine this, Jesus now, he's kind of hanging out for a while, waiting for some things to happen, because he's going to come and get us, but he's probably got this collection up there. He probably talks to the angels about them all the time. Look at this. this. This is one of my favorites right here. They thought they committed the worst sin possible, but I took them in. I, I called them out of the closet. I, I got them to come in, and I changed their life. I transformed them. Look at this trophy of grace over here. Look at this one. He's saying that about you and I. I want to read a portion of scripture to say a couple thoughts and about this, kind of tell a little bit of a story. This comes a little bit different approach. I want to bring this from the perspective of the prophetic voice that spoke about the coming Jesus and kind of what was happening and the evil that was lurking that was trying to keep this from happening. There's a lot of things going on. As I was thinking through this, I thought, you know, God could have, Dave alluded to it earlier, but God could have made everything perfect for when Jesus came. There wasn't going to be anything there to harass or to derail it or, or create fear. He could have just came and said, I'm clearing the deck. Everything's going to be good. This Jesus is going to arrive, and everybody's just going to fall down and worship him, and everything's going to be good, good, bad, and ugly. All those people, there's, everything's just going to happen, and there's going to be nothing to get in the way. But that's not how it happened. Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read through this. You can follow on the screen. Starting in verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting. That's what we do, right? Things aren't going. Call a meeting. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked this question. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? 
in Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He was trying to play some trickery here. He's trying to figure out some stuff. He called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. That is not what he was wanting to do. He knew most kings are, they're not going to give a care in the world if a baby's born in their town or it comes in. They, whatever. He had this fear inside of him that this was the Messiah coming to take his place. There had to have been something so strong in him that shook him to the core that he had to get rid of this baby. I want to go worship him. Not, he wanted to kill him. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. It's interesting, because why wouldn't God just protect? He can do that. He doesn't have to, you shouldn't be having to be worried or to have to tell somebody, instruct them, you need to go a different way, you need to do this. You'd think God could just take care of it. But there's wisdom. I know sometimes you hear different people say, oh, I'm going to go do that. And even though it could be the most dangerous thing to do, God will protect me. Well, the reality is, Yes, we trust God to protect us, but if we make dumb decisions, he's like, well, that's kind of not what I would have done, or how do you do? So he, right here, he's kind of giving warnings, saying, you know what, you might want to go this way. Even though he could protect through that whole thing, he could have covered that all. But he's wanting to teach through life experiences, yeah, this may be this, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, but you still have to live life, and you have to be careful in the process. He's the Savior for sure. So this warning comes, don't go back to Herod, bad man. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Why does he have to take this Messiah who was just born and run him off to Egypt? Doesn't make a lot of sense, but the fact is this, this is part of the journey in the life, because evil people do evil things. And so God knew ahead of time, well, if I just let this play out and, and just let it happen, yeah, Herod could kill this baby. So he's giving wisdom to people to say, hey, go this way, do this. And he protects through the whole process. I mean, obviously, it was a prophecy was saying, these things are going to happen, but I will be with you. I will lead you. I'll guide you. I'll give you words to say, get up. Go flee to Egypt. So verse 14, that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. This is what was prophesied. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys 
in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. That's tough sometimes. It's like, really? Why, why do these things, bad things like this have to happen? We're living in an imperfect world, a world of sin. Things, bad things happen around us, happen to us. But the thing is to understand that he has sent us a savior, the Messiah, that we have said yes to, to be Lord of our life, that we can lean on him, that he's drawn us to himself and we trust him in the midst of, just like Joseph and Mary all had to trust, and there probably maybe a little bit of fear, man, we got to run off to Egypt, but we're trusting God. You know, this isn't the plan or the path that we would have taken. We're all on this journey of life, and we're taking these little different paths sometimes. We're like, man, what am I doing? Why am I over here? Why did I get sent over here? That's, I don't want to do that. But yet it's probably part of God's plan and purpose as he's directing us because he is protecting us. He has a purpose. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Sad stuff. 19, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and with his mother, go back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. That's called victory over the enemy, right there. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Isn't that what happens? It's like, you think, okay, God, finally you took care of that. And then something else rises itself up, and it creates this little bit of fear in us. He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This is all part of prophecy. Yeah, this fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. So all of this stuff, all of the detours and things that we wouldn't have ever thought to do, but God had already pre-orchestrated all of these things, spared his son from, because Jesus and his family had to go through all of this stuff, persecution, all of the things that we deal with. He's been there, done that. So we're here today by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Micah 5.2, this isn't on the screen, but says this, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Then the last verse I want to read this morning is out of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This is Jesus, his own words. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And that's what he's doing today. He's coming to set us free. He's coming to heal those who are sick and diseased. And we've been praying for a lot of people that have been in that situation, and we've seen God heal, and we'll see him continue to heal. But he spoke in his own words. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed him to bring good news. Proclaim the captives to be released. The blind see, oppressed will be set free. His favor is on us. His favor is on us. We are 
the Tonka trucks that weren't nicely pretty in a box with no blemishes. But his favor was on us. He brought us out and said, this is what I'm after. I want the broken. I want the ones that don't work right. I want the ones that are flawed, that are hurting. And he turns us into these special trophies of grace. And that's what we are. I want to say as I close this morning, maybe you're here today and you're one of those cement trucks that's broken a little bit, but maybe you haven't allowed yourself to be picked up by the Savior, the Messiah, by Jesus, and carefully brought into his Tonka family. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I believe in God and I think it's a cool story and I just, I just don't know, am I a part of the family? I don't know. I've, I don't even know, I don't know if I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe I was one of these Tonka trucks a long time ago and I sort of wandered into church or wandered in and I, I kind of thought I was there, but maybe I, I just sort of drove myself back out because I just felt like nobody loved me or felt depressed or whatever. But you're here today. And I want to pray for you today. If you're here and you, you've never really fully said yes to Jesus Christ, to let him be Lord of your life and take care of all of those things that we carry with us day upon day. I'd like to ask us if we stand right now and we're just going to sing a song here. But when the service is dismissed this morning, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to come up and talk to you. If you need to know more about Jesus Christ and his love for you, I'd love to share that with you this morning. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you this morning. If you need healing in your body, Come on now, we believe in healing. We believe God's a healer. He went on the cross for us, for our sins and for our health. Blood shed for us. Body was broken for us. So as we sing this, as we conclude the service this morning, and I'll come back in a moment, but just invite you to invite Christ to be that Messiah, that Savior that you need. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 